Hi, my name is Tommy Shakur Ross, one of the producers for Uncuffed. When I was incarcerated at San Quentin, I learned how to be an audio producer and share my stories and those of other incarcerated folks. It was really impactful and important work for me. Support Uncuffed so that more stories like mine can get out into the world. Donate at weareuncuffed.org slash donate. Listeners, please be advised, this episode of Uncuffed contains descriptions of violence against children. K-A-L-W uh, You're listening to Uncuffed, recorded and produced by people in California state prisons. I'm Maito Guzman, and we're all here at Solano. Can you guys all introduce yourself by name? Who we got here today? Uh, John Lopez. Orlando Hassan Hassan Johnson. BF Thames. Okay, guys, so we're going to listen to an episode today that's titled Mother's Love. It was a story by Francisco Magana, and it was produced by Uncuffed producer BF Thames. This story has to do with the relationship between a man and his mother. Uh, I know there's exceptions, but it seems to me anyway from my general observation that around here, a lot of men have close relationships with their mother. Uh, for you guys, is there anything that's particular that stands out or is memorable about your mother? Yeah, I think that my mother was probably one of the original terrorists before they start labeling <laughs> people terrorists. She was five foot one. Well, let's get this straight first. I love my mom. She was still a terrorist. She was five foot one. You could not tell by the way she ran through the family. The way, I mean, my sisters and I got the same type of beatings. It wasn't as if one got whooped lightly and the other one got whooped. No. So she carried a big stick, little woman with a I big mean, stick? Figuratively and literally. <laughs> yes. My mom never laid a hand on us, ever, growing up. My dad did it very few times, but my mom was always with words. She used to try to tell us, like, uh, Give us good advice, but she was uh she wasn't heavy like that. She didn't have an iron fist. She didn't, she didn't know. Do you think you deserved it every single time? Whatever you described as her discipline of you, you think you deserved it? Because we tend to say yeah because it was my mom. Yes, uh, we but, give her the green light on the pass. She gets the pass. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and, and I never ever spoke back to my mom or disrespected my mom. Um, you know, she would have been a little harder. I don't know if that would have brought out another person in me where I would have, you know. Do you think she understood you and that was the best approach for you that she had? Mm, not really because she did. She was unaware of a lot of things that I was doing until I was in prison and I would tell her. And she was like, well, like she, um, I shot myself with a 357 before, right? And to this day, she does not believe that I shot myself. Does not believe it. <laughs> her baby, her baby wouldn't because shoot Because she, th she thinks that somebody shot me and I just don't want to tell her. Oh, yeah. Uh. And I try to tell her, like, why would, I, why would I hide it still to this day? You know, and I'm telling the story of my dad, how it happened. My dad's looking at me at visit, like, you're a dumbass laughing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, he's like, <laughs> so, so, so he understands the yeah, real situation with you maybe a little more. definitely believed you. Yeah, uh. Yes, but when it did happen, he didn't believe me neither. It took him some time, like, okay, to, for him to, to be like, all right, now I believe you, you know? Uh, my mom's been gone for well over 25 years and um 
I regret not being able to have her here now, not just because, you know, the given, of course, because she's passed away, but there would be a lot of good things that we could do for our relationship because we had, uh, we, we had our problems. For myself, uh, my mother, growing up, I've always been a, a hardhead, uh, stubborn. I was like the kid that was sneaking out in the middle of the night, coming back in the middle of the night. And I mean, it wasn't all like bad fun. Some of it was like good fun. I wasn't hurting nobody or nothing. But uh, through all that, I was stressing my family out because I, I was the kid that was gone all day. Like, where the hell is he at? He come back all dirty. And so over the years, as I started getting into trouble, uh, my mom, I noticed she was always the consistently like hopeful and always uh, close. Even when my dad was like, driving them nuts in the house she somehow managed to tolerate me you know and to me that's one of the things i think that stands out to me the most is how how she was able to tolerate me and my brothers and see us through because both of my brothers they were following in my footsteps growing up and they turned their lives around and uh so to this day she's still like okay you still have hope you know what i mean that's that mother's that's what, love that's, that's what i'm just gonna say that that's a mother's love and that being said let's hear what magana's story is we're about to hear a mother's love. It's a story that uh, Francisco Magana shared with us through Uncuff producer BF Tims. Uh, I was born in Michoacan, Mexico. I had uh, three sisters and two brothers. My dad, uh, first I didn't know if he was still with my mom or not because I hardly see him. What was your family life like with just your mom? Today I understand her, but at the time it was like, she was always mad at anything, anything. So she would just take her frustration on me. Well, we used to get whooped whoop with, with a branch. If she didn't have no branch, she would get like the cable from the radio or anything she could get her hands on. What were some of the reasons that she would beat you? Uh, I believe I was eight or about to turn eight. Of my uncle, like he used to take care of the house, and the house is so big, it has swimming pool, it has everything. So I used to go help him a lot, but I didn't know how to swim. So that day I went and I wanted to go inside the pool, but I had no supervision, so I went and I got myself, I, I grabbed myself from the, from the little stairs before you go to the swimming pool. So I was inside, and I don't know how it happened, but I let go. So I tried to reach back, and I couldn't reach back. So I started going deeper and deeper. What I, when I woke up, I had a lot of people around me. I, I didn't know they even I drowned. So everybody was just looking at me and and then uh, here comes my mom. Instead of telling me like if I was all right, she just got me with a broom and he started whooping me because he said that I wasn't supposed to be over there. I was a pattern of uh, me getting uh, whooped all the time. And uh, the first time I ran away, and I got whooped real, real good. But the second time, I remember I was coming from school, and uh, we got jumped by other, other, other kids. So I was so bloody, and I knew if I would go to the house like that, I was going to get whooped again with my mom. So I patched myself, and uh, I told my brother, I'm gone. I know I'm going to get whooped. She finds out that I got beat up like this. So what I did, uh, I left and uh, I went to the bus station and uh, my, my, my thought was like, I'm gonna get in any car 
and just get away from right here. So I convinced my brother to go with me. I don't know how did she find out that I was there. She went and picked me up, grabbed me, took us back to the house, and she tied me around a tree. <laughs> she tried, she tied me, hands and legs. And I remember that was one of the that time she is uh they call them barras de cascalote. That's some branches there, and they're like like thing, but they hurt. So I remember she got three of them. She just whooped me. She, she didn't whoop my brother. She just got me because she said I was the older one and I was it was my it was me convincing my brother. You know, that was when I decided anything that I do right, I'ma get whooped. If I do something wrong, I'ma get whooped. I didn't start caring about nothing no more. You're here in the United States illegally, right? Yes. How that come about? I remember one day my came from from school and my mom said that we all were gonna live to the United States. I didn't want to come. I didn't want to come because I didn't know nobody over here. And I said my daddy is gonna bring everybody, the whole family. At first I thought she, I thought she was just playing, just, you know. And uh, yeah. We came in a, in a bus. It took us uh, seven days to get yes to the border. So we all came. And I remember uh, when we crossed, we had my little brother. He was about like, he was, he was about three. So my mom was carrying him. But uh, that day, I remember exactly the day, it was probably like 30 or 40 some people. So it was a big, big, big crowd. So we had to be moving. Like they all said, like, let's move. So I remember seeing the, the helicopter on top of us throwing the light. So they kept telling us, don't look up. Don't look up because the light will reflect the eyes and they'll find us. So everybody's looking down to the floor. We kept moving. We kept moving. One of my sisters, I remember that she was talking about she wanted to go to the restroom. But you got to keep moving. So it took us like probably like, I'll say like a little more than an hour. And then we realized that she wasn't around. And I remember that uh, I told my mom that I knew around where the place that, that she was talking about, she wanted to go to the restroom. So I wanted to go back to pick him up. So she grabbed him on my hand and she told me no. Who? My who mom. Told you no. My mom. What? Don't go back. She said I'd rather lose one person than lose two. So I still, I still went back and, and called my sister. I went back and find her and brought her back. You love your sister? Yeah, I do. Until this, until this point, I think uh, they're still, she's still resentful because of the day. She said that if it wasn't for me, she, I don't know, she said she brought, she can't forgive my mom and that hurts me because it hurts me because uh, I mean, my mom, well, anything that she did, I always believe she did it out of love. She, she didn't know what to do, you know? I think that for me, being in prison is a blessing because it probably pre prevent me to treat my kids the way I was treated. I was a monster when I was out there. I, I made amends to my mom right after I came out of uh, uh, the county. She moved out of a new house, so we went and do a barbecue, and uh, we spoke about it. She was crying. She was telling me she was real sorry because she felt that it was her fault for me becoming the way that I am. 
I told my mom that I had a lot, a lot of resentful because I never understood why she was doing everything. So I told her, look, now I understand you. I understand what you were going through. You were, you were doing everything by yourself. I understand you and don't ever feel that it's your fault. Yeah, I went through some pain and everything, but it, it was it was my decision. You couldn't you couldn't stop me if you wanted to. You tried to give me the best you can. And we, we spoke about it. She she told me that she was real sorry for everything she done to us. I said, look, mom, there's nothing to forgive. I love you. You're my mom. You're giving me everything you can to make me a better person. I understand her fully now. That's one of the things that I don't want nobody to see my mom as a monster because she's not. That was Francisco Magana as he was sharing the story with Uncuffed producer BF Temps. You know, in, in, uh, in, in Francisco's story, uh, he grew up getting whooped on, right? And, and he mentioned on there that rather than blame her, he chose to love her. Uh, earlier, some of us have mentioned that we, we were a handful. Uh, do you feel like you understand your mother and things you've been through with her? Uh, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way in some respects that uh, Francisco, the way he was telling about his mother. I mean, I understand some stuff now. I mean, I know that she loved me. I know that she was trying to do her best. But, I mean, his mother wanted to leave a sister behind. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and that resentment lasted all the way till adulthood. He, he and his sister still got resentment. And, and you know, I can look at it and, and try to look at it objectively and say, I get it. She didn't want to lose a child. Rather lose one than lose two. My mother has never done anything so severe, but she has done some stuff that I question. Uh, this is a complex issue for me because uh, I lost my, mo my mother when I was like 21 somewhere around that age, and I was in prison. She died of complications uh, to HIV. She died of AIDS. But the reason why uh, I had said earlier that I lost out so much because I was so young and I didn't get to uh, grow up and have understanding, empathy, and knowledge to where I could get a better understanding of where my mom, what my mom went through. I had a lot of resentment, not just because of one thing or another, but of a lot of things um, when it came to my mother. So the fact that when I was a young adolescent, the time that I did have with my mom, I was so busy trying to get outside of myself with drugs and alcohol and doing all these, you know, the type of things that got me to this point in life that I didn't get to naturally come of age and finally where you, the age where you start living your own life and making your own mistakes and you really want to start having understanding and empathy for other people and usually the first people are the ones closest to you and that would have been you know my mom would have been one of those but I definitely loved my mom. I know she loved me, uh, but uh, we just had a, a, it was difficult. It was difficult. Ah, oh, man. 
I've actually talked to my mom for three hours to four hours straight sometimes. And we laugh about a lot of things because, yeah, we grow, we've grown. We're not the same kids we were back then, you know? So we're a little older now, a little wiser. And uh, she talks to me a lot more about things that she wouldn't have talked to me about back then, you know? When the day, we'll go to day room in the morning, a lot of the workers will be gone. There'll be nobody in the day room. The day room will be empty. I will sit there on the phone from 9 a.m. to 11.30. That's a long time, That's a, man. Yes. That's I will, good stuff. Sometimes I will miss my shower. Um, what? And now you're just showing off, bro, because yeah, nobody yeah, talks yeah. to their mom. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, talk and have a good relationship <laughs> like that with their mom talking, and, you know, hours at a time with their mom. He's showing out. showing out, bro. Hey, hey, Check that as a form of disrespect. <laughs> Francisco mentioned also that you know, he understood and actually expressed to her that she, he recognized that she was doing her best, that she was on her own and that uh, she didn't know what to do. You made a joke. Maito made a joke that is, to me, rooted in reality. And that joke was, yeah, we gave our moms a pass or we give our moms a pass. I firmly believe he did that. And I want to parallel it with, with my own mom, but I want to mention an example first. When Francisco said, well, yeah, I get it. You know, I understand now. I look back and she did the best that she could. Nah, man. No, she did not. She tied him butt naked to a tree and whooped him naked to a tree. What was the point of that? My mother has whooped my ass. I didn't talked about it too many times already, but sometimes I didn't deserve it. She whooped me that one time where my sister and I were playing and she told us ahead of time, Maito, don't play by that evergreen tree. It was a new evergreen tree. It was very small, but it was like as tall as us. So we're running. My sister is running from me. I'm chasing her. She jumps and tries to jump over the tree and her leg hits the tree. And my mother's looking out the window at that precise time when my sister went past. I'm running behind her. My mother saw the tree swing. She said, get in here. I looked at my sister. You know, dry snitching, right? I looked at my sister. <laughs> and my sister just looked at me. And I looked at my mother and she said, you, get in here. She was locking eyes with me. I'm like, yeah, my sister, she, she going to turn herself in. You know what I'm saying? The right thing's going to happen. <laughs> so I start walking over to my mother because I know, John, I know I'm going to hear it. Right. It's like, come out, sis. We, they, she got us. We busted. Come yeah. out. I mean, well, I would, I would, I mean, you know, I hadn't risen to that level of snitching, but I definitely dry snitched by looking and it didn't work. And my mother took me in the house and gave me two whoopings. You know what they were for? One for jumping over the tree and playing around a tree because she said not to. And I didn't do that. So I wasn't guilty. And two for having a gall to speak the truth and tell her, no, I didn't do it, which was essentially saying my sister did. It's like she said I was lying. So now you're whooping me for an act that I didn't do. And I held resentment against my mother. She was my doing whole, her best, Brian. Okay. My <laughs> whole life for that. When I say whole life, my mother died in 2006. In 2005, she apologized to me for doing oh, that. Wow. But that's because I brought it up. Oh. Well, it, at the end of the day, though, I... You look, I'm, that's beautiful that you had that, at least. Yeah, but I held it. I just held it because I'm like, why, man? You know, I mean, is this how the world is? It's like you tell the truth, you know. And She did the best she could, Brian. I, I believe uh, what his mom did, uh, 
I don't think no mom has any reason and no excuse to actually do that, to actually do what she did by tying him up, the way she disciplined, the way she carried out the discipline, what she believed was okay, you know? Uh, nobody, you, no kid deserves to be beaten out of the damn tree. I don't care what the kid did, to, you know. That's that's wrong all the way around. It made me think about a story that I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little kid. I'm probably like seven or eight playing outside, and I run upstairs. Something I'm like in a fight or being picked on outside. I run upstairs crying. My mom's like, "You go downstairs and you, you know, I come, I come to her for help." tell her what what happened she says if you don't go you know go back downstairs and fight and i didn't want to but she said if you don't go back downstairs and fight i'm gonna kick your ass so you know i had to go out and do that so my point being is like we look back at some of us look back like me i look back on she that now her best right? man <laughs> exactly. no, but i look back on that now and be like you know i may not have do i wouldn't do the exact thing same thing to my son to my son however I look back on the now, it's like, man, she, you know, my mom, she raised me right. You know what I mean? She, you know what I'm saying? She, that, that's like, to me, and to a lot of us, it's like, we think that that was a good thing. Well, I want to say this. I know I can relate to some aspects of that because both of my parents were born in Mexico. And I know growing up, uh, there came a point where I realized that we're from different worlds. That I, In my mind, I was like, these two are never going to really fully understand me, my perspective, what I'm going through, my choices the way I'm seeing the world over here. And uh, earlier when I mentioned how my mother was always the one t to tolerate and to uh, have continue seeing things in a positive light, because I, I, I drove them nuts for a long time, right? And uh, one particular time that I remember that uh, uh, I drove her to like go hard on me, we were in Mexico visiting my family on her side in Michoacan, right? And by my grandmother's house, there's a canal and then down lower, there's a river. And then down lower, it looked like an island to me with cows. And I wanted to get there, right? And I was with some kids from, from that town, right? And they know their way around. But to get down there, you got to cross on the top of a pipe, like walk on a pipe over the canal. And then you got to cross the river by getting on rocks. And I'm like five, six years old, right? So uh, there's people that have died in that canal. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not knowing this. I'm just knowing I'm trying to get down there. And, and I'm seeing that, oh, I could cross the pipe. And I could, I'm, I'm already plotting my way down there, right? Man, I end up down there, right? And my mom, like I noticed Maganya, even when he ran away, he didn't know how, but she <laughs> found him. You know, that's, there's a mother's instinct in there somewhere, regardless of what they were going through. She was tuned in to her son. And she found him. And however she dealt with him, that was her way. But... I understood, like, because in my case, my mom found me, too. And I just remember my mom was at the top of this hill thing, and I saw the silhouette, and I was like, she got me. You know what I mean? I didn't make it back in time. So she whipped me all the way back to my grandparents' house. And then when I got there, she got creative. She threw some rice and had me sitting on my knees on oh, top yeah. of that rice. That, that's OG. That's, that's, oh, yeah. Hey, I know about that. I was I've never heard of that. I, never I was, that. I was on my knees kidding? on top of this rice, and I just remember going... <gasps> I was just like, I was whimpering right after. Maito, she did her best, bro. I, I was whimpering, right? <laughs> I never heard of this. Get this. I was whimpering. She did the best she could. I was whimpering. And I remember my grandmother was like telling my mom, like, you know, maybe you should let him up now, you know? And so when grandma's intervening, 
you know it's bad, right? And my mom was like, no, no. He needs to learn, no. And now looking back at it, you know, I think it was rooted in fear. You know, it wasn't she was trying to break me. It was like I scared her to death. Do you mind if I ask a question? Sure, ask the question. Um, I want to know how we all feel, if you have any thoughts at all about the Sophie's choice that Francisco's mother made. Uh, and when I say Sophie's choice, I'm talking about one child or the other. Like she told him, no, don't go back to find her. I would rather lose one than to lose two. I think uh, that, that uh, man, I can't even put myself in hers. Well, you actually think that you're actually going to lose one and you actually feel you're telling your other kid, hey, I'd rather lose one or the other. Uh, I can't imagine what she was going through herself, you know? She's not saying that the daughter is expendable. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. That's that's just was hard to me, though. That was just so yeah. incredibly no, no doubt. hard. And, and, you know, that kind of puts in perspective, like, you know, like I said earlier, uh, how much other people are going through throughout the world. You know, that's a lot more common than we tend to think here in the United States. You know, we're, we're lucky in a sense. Uh, but uh, I, was I, gonna... I have one question. I have one question for, for, sure. for everybody here. He said in the piece, he said that he's glad that he was in prison. If he had kids, do you believe the way you were raised by your parents, the way they do you believe you would carry that on to your children if you were to have children? You you're saying that was part of that you're asking? Yeah, yeah he he said that that maybe he would have done that to his kids, didn't he? Yeah. Say that? You know what? He, he did that say he that. He that, did yeah. say that. And I um man, I'm I'm about to go out on a limb. I don't think he would do his kids like that. It's no. just my interactions with him, man, and, and how deeply felt and 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 especially the fact that he was able, um, in retrospect, to look back and see all this stuff even relive some of the pain and still say, I love my mother and she did the best she could. Mm -hmm. I can't, he, I can't see him doing that. No, yeah. now, not, that's not saying no discipline, but no, nah, man, he'd probably be a great father. Yeah. It seems to me like he took the, all the best parts out of the experience and that's what he holds most meaningful. You know, the, he, he's looking at it from the optimistic perspective of, okay, well, where'd that come from and what was gained from it and the parts I didn't like, I won't carry those into my future. Right, right. The last thing I wanted to touch on was on, on making, making amends. Uh, that made me feel like, you know, how, how making that effort to reach that understanding with mom, how, how much of an impact it can have, you know? And uh, I know that for myself, uh, I've made those efforts in these recent years. And it's funny to me now because uh, when I'm talking to my mom, before, like I used to terrify them. Now, when I talk to her, she and she don't speak really English, but uh, I'll call her and she'll say, "Oh, uh, estoy aquí lo más, just kicking back." You know, she'll, <laughs> she'll, she'll, she'll say something like that, like, "Oh, I'm just here kicking back." So I've noticed that you know, uh, she started to adapt to us. Like she started joining my brothers and and me and things like that to as to way to bond with us. You know. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you, you remember that Francisco uh, made amends with his mother. He said that they talked about it and everything and that they were good. Uh, you know, even though my mother and I, you know, we had that visit in 2005. Like I said, she passed a year later. But that year from 2005 till the time that she passed in October 2006, you know, we got along a lot better. 
But the thing that I remember that I hold on to is that I made my mother laugh. I used to talk to her over the phone and used to make her laugh. I'm talking about laugh out loud. And that had never been happening in our life. Laughing at the stuff that I was saying and our interactions, that was evidence that we had made amends. So yeah, that's us, Uncuffed. You can find Uncuffed on the radio at KALW 91.7 FM at weareuncuffed.org. Or you can subscribe to Uncuffed in any podcast player. Join our community on social media by following We Are Uncuffed. I'm BF Tens. Thanks to the team at KALW Public Radio, Nena Gensler-Debs, Angela Johnston, Sonia Paul, James Rollins, Andrew Stelzer, Ben Trefney, Eli Wirtshafter, and our super-duper sound designer, Eric Abercrombie, also known as Maserati E. Our theme music is by David Jossi. And thanks to the staff at Solano who make this possible. That will be Mr. McCann, Principal Nessie, Miss Rice, and Lieutenant Spate, who approved this episode. Please know that we fact-checked everything to the best of our ability. Uncuff gets support from the California Arts Council and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. As always, we are grateful for your time. Thank you so much for listening. Where is the best place for music discovery in the Bay Area? How you feel? How you feel? How you feel? 25 sitting on 25 mil, huh? I'm in the building and I'm feeling myself. Rest in peace, Mac Dre. I'm going to do it for the Bay, okay? You don't need to go any further. KALW's 14 DJs have you covered. Weeknights and weekends, right here on KALW, 91.7 FM and KALW.org.